Chelsea. This is Andrew, and welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast where we look back at very special episodes of television from the 70s, 80s, and 90s to see what they have to teach us today. Today, we are doing our very first episode of the show, Mr. Belvedere. Yes, indeed. Season four, episode 20. Episode is called The Counselor. Mm -hmm. It was written by Frank Dungan, Tony Sheehan, and Jeff Stein, and aired originally on the 6th of May, 1988. And we don't do this often because we prefer that you find a legitimate place to watch shows that you know, give something back to the creators, but Absolutely. can't find Mr. Belvedere streaming anywhere, but the episodes are on YouTube. Yeah, uh, pretty much all of them, if you if you want. And, and magically enough, this one included a promo yeah. before the episode of a very special so episode of Mr. The, Belvedere. We got to watch what would have been the commercial that would make us want to watch it. Absolutely, which includes the entire climax. Exactly, the, the whole, whole climax. Show. All right, before we get into it, let's talk about today's snack, because oh my it God. is a very special it snack is. today. It is. An epic snack. Lord of mercy. So Chelsea and I went to a thing called the Bread Festival, because if you're going to look for us, the first place to say, is there a bread festival around? Yeah, that's where you're going to find us there. Yep. Maybe they're the Bread Festival. Um, we found these delicious treats made by a company called the Ensamada Project. I had never eaten an Ensamada before. I was... Very, very excited. Lord. I remember we each bought one, and then we were so delighted that we circled back and bought a dozen of them to take home. We sure did. And we have searched high and low for Ensaymadas this good. Yeah. We've tried a couple of them other places, never with the same delight and astonishment no, as that first these are the, encounter. We've done our due diligence, people. We've tried to find something anywhere as good as this yeah. and we have not so we're gonna give you all the info on how to get these for yourselves and we highly recommend you go now find them get them they are the ensamata project you can it find is, them on instagram yeah instagram they have their own website once and for all the official spelling is e-n-s-a-y-m-a-d-a -A -A. so you'll go to ensamataproject.com they're at smorgasburg la on sundays again bread festivals yeah um, uh uh, they're all over, run by the super nicest lady ever. Oh, absolutely. If you are looking for a new kind of bread treat to blow your mind, I mean, probably some of you have had these. The woman that, that made them for us is Filipino. Mm -hmm. They're a Hispanic dessert. Different Hispanic cultures have different versions. This is sort of the Filipino version. Yeah. And we're very, very excited to get to have them again, me for the first time, since we had them that first day many months ago. And actually, looking here on the... EnsamataProject.com. Uh, Sherry, the the lady's name who runs this thing, she grew up in the Philippines. They made so many treats for the Christmas season, and she's brought that uh, here. She's a bread angel for us. She is a bread angel. I have a cheese version over here, and I have red velvet. Yeah, and there are lots of flavors. Again, folks, yeah, you can find you're able to order them for delivery online, and they'll they'll, they'll give updates about uh, where they're going to be. So please go check them out, and we're about to eat some some damn snacks. Yes.
It's as good as we remember it. It's just the best <sighs> thing ever. Like I tried a red velvet one and it's already great. Mm-hmm. Like the bread is just amazing. But then also somehow the red velvet flavor, the the cream cheese icing and everything is the best of that that I've ever had. So I don't get it. This lady is a legit She's angel. She's a bread angel. She's a bread angel. Pro tip, if you get them from Sherry on site, she'll do this for you. But mm. if you if you get them at your house, you want to heat them for like 13, 14 seconds yeah. in the microwave. Not much. But Not much, yeah. but just enough so they get real soft and the topping starts to kind of melt. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just the best bread in the whole world. Yeah. I'm real excited that there are still 10 of them over there for us to... Good Lord. <laughs> Goodbye, stomach feeling fine. We don't have to eat them all today. What? We want to, but we don't have to. Yeah, we could, but we don't have America's to. America's all about not needing to, <laughs> but wanting true. to, and wanting it's to true. winning out. Hey, Chelsea, let's talk about a goddamn episode of television. Yeah, let's talk about Mr. Belvedere. Um, yeah, Mr. Belvedere. Have you ever seen Mr. Belvedere I had before? never seen the oh, show before. what a loss. Uh, which is kind of amazing that I'd never seen any iteration of it before because my research reveals uh, the show ran for 118 episodes, mm. six seasons, 1985 to 1990. But the character first appeared in a novel, which led to three successful movies, followed by three unsuccessful TV pilots. So Whoa. this character, Mr. Belvedere, was first a novel character, and then there were three Mr. Belvedere movies, and then they tried to make it into a TV show three times. So I'm kind of amazed that I never had seen I any mean, version of this. It's just, it's not, it isn't ever, like, on the same level. Like, they didn't have a breakout star to make it, like, you know, the Urkel show or mm-hmm. the, the Justin... Family Ties. Yeah, you know, the, it's never it's never one of those that's solid enough. Yeah. It's just sort of like, hey, Mr. Belvedere is this uh, main character, but also the kid's kind of a character. And it's just, you know, it's nudie British meets Pittsburgh. Yeah, meets typical American, all-American family meets upper crust. If the uh, theme song is to be believed, very famous adjacent. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Um, these credits. (laughs) Um, Let's get through the cold open because they do have a cold open before the credits. But these credits do need some talking about. Um, so the ordinary world of this show is based on the novel Belvedere by Gwen Davenport. It features a British butler named Lynn Belvedere who takes a job as basically a live-in nanny slash cook. Quick, uh, quick correction. Uh, his name is Mr. Lynn Al- Aloysius Belvedere. Um, well, you gotta, I'm trying to give the man his due respect. All right. So his He's middle name is with, Aloysius. He doesn't have a backup name. He has Lynn. And if he doesn't want to do Lynn, then he's got to be Aloysius. Just saying. Which is why they call him always Mr. Mr. Belvedere. Belvedere. He's been <laughs> called that since he was five years old. Um, Mr. Belvedere is a British butler who's worked for all these famous people, apparently. And then, for some reason, uh, unclear to me, because I didn't see the pilot, has taken a job as a live-in nanny slash cook for a typical American family in Pittsburgh. And records their shenanigans in his diary for a future novel that he's going to write. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that doesn't actually happen in this episode because we have a PSA at yeah, the end, which we'll talk too, about. But it's too special. In the ordinary Mr. Belvedere course of things, he will sit down and write about what happened at the end of the episode and talk about and kind of moralize and sum up for us what we should have yeah. learned. Uh, but that doesn't happen here. It's some straight Doogie Hauser, you know, what I learned today. 
The guy that plays Belvedere... Christopher Hewitt. Christopher Hewitt is a trained stage actor who was a <laughs> member of the Oxford Repertory Company and was also in the Royal Air Force and performed plays during the London Blitz. <laughs> air bombings <laughs> of World War II. Funny to me. So Guys, I just want you to imagine one. him performing during the Blitz, performing, I don't know, King Lear. Gentlemen, Mr. today Belvedere. is the day, but first... Antigone. <laughs> yeah, and none of that is... I mean, look, we get right into it, but mostly the way these episodes run are the family is doing normal Pittsburgh family sure, stuff. great. Um, which I assume has a lot to deal with steel and depression. Sorry, Pittsburgh. They're doing their family, roughing it out. Nobody really gets along. Everybody's on a different page. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Belvedere, the most unlikely hero... Brings them all together. Yeah, he's very curmudgeonly. He is indeed. And oh, he's, yeah. he makes jokes at the family's expense all the time. The only yeah. one he seems to actually like is the mother. Yeah. He makes jokes about the father, the teenage son, the teenage daughter, and the he and the younger kid are locked in some They're, sort of yeah. battle to the death. We're on episode four. I think uh, season four, I think season six is just night fights <laughs> between the two of them. <laughs> I'll get you now, Wesley. Um, this is also a typical, we've talked about before, sitcom ABC storyline oh, setup. Uh, the B and C storylines get almost no attention, but we'll Mm-mm. go through all of them yeah. in the interest of being thorough. Uh, so we actually start with, I guess, what would be B C storyline. This is the C storyline. Because it gets almost no attention. Yeah, they've, they've got a runner that, that the, the subject of which is... It's summer, but the kids have to be responsible. Yeah. The teenage daughter, Heather, has to go to summer school. She got a D in English, yeah. uh, which basically her entire part in this episode is mis- is grammatical errors. Sure. Being like, I speak good. Yeah. Um, and that kind of thing because she flunked English. And then teenage son, Kevin, is working a fast food summer job at Mr. Cluck's, now open for breakfast. Now they're open for breakfast, which I guess was a huge novelty back then. Right. So the kids have to go off, including the littlest son who's going to day camp. Yeah, Wesley comes in complaining that he does not want to go to day camp because he's... Look, I I guess I don't remember this from the series itself, but they really wanted Wesley to be this radical Bart Simpson-y kid. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, Bart Simpson-y. And ever get there. (laughs) Yeah, so he's like 10 and he doesn't want to go to day camp because he doesn't want to conform. I don't know. His mom's sure. like, there's a lake up there and you'll do crafts. And to me, I'm like, that sounds better than sitting around the house all yeah. day. But he doesn't want to go. He's got a real problem with authority. <laughs> yeah. He's got real beef with Belvedere. <laughs> uh, which we straight Belvedere beef, y'all. Find out in, <laughs> in this cold open. And so, the theme song, which is a bunch of, first bunch of pictures of Mr. Belvedere with famous people like Gandhi. And uh, the, the, the famous accords with Stalin and, right. and Roosevelt. And so he facilitated everything. Well, he definitely served them all. He offers them all tea in yeah. the picture and nobody's into it. <laughs> and then the theme song switches to pictures of the family in Pittsburgh. Well, it switches to a picture of Mr. Belvedere with a tiny cardboard sign that says Pittsburgh. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> What happened here? Like, that's not just a, I guess I'll, I'll hitchhike to Pittsburgh Gandhi now. would not give him a letter of like, reference. What what happened? Did he accidentally kill someone? <laughs> <laughs> Is he on the run from the law? Is there a scandal? And he picked the name Aloysius Belvedere. Because <laughs> he was like, no, no one's really named no this. One's They'll never look come looking for Aloysius no, Belvedere. No. <laughs> I'll just be on the safe side. I'll have them call me Mr. Belvedere. So they'll never get close. <laughs> no, they won't even know what my first name is. <laughs> um, so then the theme song, 
would seem uh, to indicate that the little kid gets literally dumped on a lot. There's a lot of like pouring of things on him. Or oh, him. it's true. So it starts out with a classical harpsichord like classical thing, and then trombone like punches you in the face <laughs> with a <laughs> and then somebody sings like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like half chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, the whole song is. Man, we were a rowdy bunch, and we're trying to learn to be a family, and I think this guy's going to help us out. Yeah, it was. A, it's a real, like, this, here you go, here's the setup. You don't need to have seen any previous episodes mm. to be completely caught up by the time we go into the first scene. Yeah, also, by the way, just in case you were wondering, the one line of this song where the singer goes, drop, kick your jacket, as it came through the door, no one stared is in my brain forever. <laughs> like, every now and then, I'll just be, like, looking off in the middle distance. And, uh, like you know... Like guy we're looking at a rhino? Fight. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Here's what here's what you do, folks, is find, like, moments of television where things are very dramatic, like MacGyver looking at a rhino, or somebody dies, and then just put under it, like, a real good echo function. Rop, kick, dark, As it came through the door, no one stared... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Classic moments of television. That's Make everyone's sure that inner that monologue. So let's get into Act One. Yeah. Uh, we've already pretty much set up the ordinary world, and we've already set up like what Act One starts with the living room where Mr. Belvedere is listening to Flight of the Valkyries. Uh, yeah, and he's acting it out, and <laughs> for some reason, dude's got a couple of helmets. This is the thing. So there are he's listening to Wagner just. Of a day. This is it's his the, normal Friday morning or whatever. It's the What's Opera Doc uh, music, if you're unfamiliar with this. So, Mr. Belvedere has, I guess with him at all times, two Viking helmets. <laughs> yeah, they're out of nowhere. One of whom is, has long the long yellow braids, the thing that you th- always think of when you think of like a cartoon opera character is yep. the female Viking helmet with the long, two long yellow braids. A moment of embarrassment results when he puts on the female helmet mm. with the braids and Father George, dad of the house, comes downstairs and sees him singing the, or singing along with the female helmet on and then Belvedere gets all embarrassed and yeah. I'm like, okay, well, so this is like, oh, you caught me cross-dressing. If I'm the dad, I'm more like, you just have those helmets? Yeah. Also, where if are I'm those? The... Are those in your room? Like, yeah. where are those well, normally? Funny you bring that up. Shouldn't you be doing this in your room? <laughs> <laughs> what are there better acoustics here in the living room? I don't care which one you're wearing. I'm more like weirded out by the fact that you just have them. The lighting of the living room highlights these helmets a lot better. A lot better. better. So Dad George is a sports reporter, Mm -hmm. and he comes downstairs and says he has two weeks off, and he wants to pal around with Belvedere, basically. He he wants a friend to pal around with, and he suggests they go play golf, and Belvedere hasn't ever played it. Right. This is our B-plot. So yeah, they go to play golf. What could go wrong? So we know we're in a special world in our C-plot, in our runner, because it's summer, but the kids have to work. Yeah. And we're in a special episode in our B-plot because... Belvedere is outside of his comfort zone, going to play golf, and Dad isn't working. Dad normally right. works. So we we know our A-plot is going to be this Wesley Camp thing, but yeah. we don't know exactly yet. We haven't entered the special world yet. So, um, so speaking he's of which, camp. Yeah. we go to that day camp where a counselor named Miss Pritchard is doing her best. Just doing her best. 
And the very first thing that we get from Wesley is he, he makes a, a fat joke. Yeah. Oh, the fat jokes and mental illness jokes. They're never mostly fat jokes for her. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever going to miss an opportunity. No. Every time she's on screen, the kids are making fat jokes. And sometimes when she's off screen. Yeah. So Wesley's basically running the joint. It's first day of camp and he's mouthing off to everybody. All the kids are kind of falling down in front of him and making them, you know, like he, they kind of worship him. Yeah. And he then says he called a catering truck for lunch. Oh, yeah. So Miss Ms. Pritchard uh, wants to do some healthy snacks, including radishes. But then there's a honking noise and Wesley's like, I called a catering truck. What? Yeah, kids are, don't do that. Are they rich? Where's, Wesley's radical. Who's paying for this Holy catering crap. truck? It's like he's wearing sunglasses all the time. <laughs> all the time. But one person who really thinks Wesley's jokes are funny is Perry, who's like the assistant counselor under Miss Bridger. Perry's yucking it up. Perry thinks yeah. Wesley is hilarious. And again, just to dip in on this, like they want this kid to be like, oh, he's he's quite a rap scallion, but. Either by today's standards, and I'm pretty sure by those standards of that day, it's just so... He's not doing anything ridiculously edgy. It's all fantastical. And mean. And, and mean. just making a lot of fat jokes. Yeah, he's pretty much... So, yeah, instead of it being like, look at this radical kid, it's like, hey, check out this obnoxious kid who's our hero, I guess. Yeah. So we go back to the uh, Owens house where Kevin and Heather, oh, they're having quite a time. Heather has homework. Kevin has some work Related woes. Um, and dinner's not ready. It's not ready yet. La gasp. I know. Is there anything worse facing white families in They America? expect to come home and Belvedere's got dinner on the table, but Belvedere is off playing golf, so yeah. dinner's not even started weird yet. Weird thing where mom offers to cook and they're like, no. Well, well she probably, I, th- I took that to be like, You're, she's a terrible cook. And yeah. that's like why they hired No, I Belvedere. understand the joke. I'm just like, Meh. Dad of the house and Belvedere come home from the golf club and Belvedere has, I guess, bought at the pro shop a full plaid outfit, including a tam shanter yeah. hat on his head. Uh-huh. I thought the joke was that he was like a golf natural. And I wrote, that does not exist. I thought so too. <laughs> but then too? it turns out that he's so bad at golf. But it's kind of both because he's like, I got a hole in one after I hit that one guy and it rolled into the hole. It's like. That's still pretty impressive. Yeah, and then and then he yells, I yell he says, I yelled five, and the dad goes, It's four. And we're all supposed to that's supposed to be the height we of Let's just stick with one. Either joke. he either he's a really good player and it upsets George or he takes a poop on the green. <laughs> right. And it's like, uh oh, this is how we do things in Britain. But Belvedere loves apparently now loves golf, uh, yeah. and says he's sorry for ruining George's game, but he'll do better tomorrow. Oh, this wackiness isn't over. We go to the kitchen where Wesley is coming back from day camp and Counselor Perry is so fond of him that he has loaned Wesley his binoculars. Yes, he's said Wesley can use these binoculars for the whole week. And we know, and I think Belvedere kind of suspects that this kind of special treatment does not bode well, but Wesley's totally oblivious. Well, he also knows that Wesley's a, a piece of shit. Yeah, the family's always talking about how Wesley's manipulating people into doing things for him and giving him things. Yeah, hey, maybe fucking do something, do something about, about a family. That. You are the parents, he's a kid. Um, so I would say we still don't have a call to adventure. Because still, we can see what's kind of looming here and also the fact that it's a very special episode and we've seen the climax and the yep. promo yeah. has set us up to know that this counselor Perry has taken a special interest in Wesley and that's not great but yeah. still nothing untoward has happened yet it's drawn out like yeah, so we're going to very hit late the special world right, <laughs> like, right it's a very late two. cult adventure but i think it is 
important because they actually show in an abbreviated but realistic way the grooming process in a way that has to happen because he's just met Perry. It's not like a give your Uncle Arthur a kiss scenario where he's known this person forever. They have to set up that this guy needs time to groom him before anything untoward happens. So that's where we are right now. Right. So we're back at day camp. Uh, Counselor Pritchett is singing Bingo and the campers are clapping along. But when she finishes, whoa, Wesley is still clapping. And she goes over and it turns out he's wearing headphones. Man, classic Wesley. Oh to God. quote to quote some background music I heard once. <laughs> they aren't connected to anything. And so I'm like, no. cool, first Bluetooth headphones <laughs> ever. Wesley's a pretentious. Back in uh, 1988, he's an early adopter. Sure is, the earliest. So they make some more fat jokes about her. And then she says, Counselor Pritchett said she's going to take everybody on a nature hike. Wesley fakes a stomachache. And then Counselor Pritchett says to him, a thing that I am going to, I guess, it's a succinct truism I intend to paint onto the bedroom wall of every child I ever have. <laughs> yes. The world has little patience for the malingerer. Indeed. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were going to be an oil baron. Because that's something an oil baron would say. The world has little patience for, mal- for the malingerer is the cross-stitch version of suck it up, kid. <laughs> suck it up. So Pritchett takes the other campers away singing Tramp, Tramp, Tramp Along the Highway, which is a song from a Broadway operetta Naughty Marietta, which <laughs> is from 1910. Yeah, that's right. They didn't have anything She's to research cultured. here. She's very cultured. They didn't have anything to research here, so I looked up <laughs> Naughty Marietta. It's from 1910. It's where the popular song Ah, Sweet Mystery of Life ah, comes from. yeah. It's set in New Orleans in 1780, and it tells how Captain Richard Dick Warrington is tasked with finding the notorious masked pirate known as... You help me out, Frenchie. Uh, B-R-A-S... B-R-A-S. Yeah, it's this. Bra. Bra P-K. It means like pierced arms. All right. So he's going for, it's a pirate. Maybe that means sure. something for pirates. So I, I listened to Tramp, Tramp, Tramp Along the Highway, and it's delightful. Hmm. Uh, it includes the lyrics, were planters and Canucks, Virginians and Kentucks, Captain Dick's own infantry. Uh, but meanwhile, in modern-day non Orleans, Counselor Perry says, Oh, poor Wesley, your stomach hurts and everything. Let me give you a soda. And he's got a secret sash of sodas. So so Perry gives Wesley this contraband soda and says, We'll keep this our little secret. Mm. So now they have secrets, which yeah. is classic grooming. This is a thing I heard when I was too old for it to actually make a difference to me, but I think it's a good thing for parents to tell kids. That adults and kids don't have secrets. Yeah, no, that's not a thing. Kids don't keep secrets for adults. No. Period. Yeah. I actually, I did a little bit of research about sexual abuse by counselors of campers, which we'll get to at the end. Sure. But one of the things that the person says, the, the, the psychologist writing the article, is that teach your kids that secrets have end dates. So like a surprise party or a present or something. Yeah, not a forever thing. Yeah, they're, sure. see, don't keep secrets for adults that are just forever secrets. Yeah. So he says, we'll keep this our little secret. And so I've decided to call this first secret, the first threshold, the call to adventure. I might be pushing it a little bit, but the episode doesn't fit the hero's journey very well for, for a reason. I mean, they're doing this on purpose. It doesn't even fit the, the TV thing. Well, it's supposed to be where we have a a problem that we explore a bit in the first, this is this two act structure here because we're in the eighties. They're supposed to have a, a problem introduced early on, that the character makes worse 
by the end of Act 2 and then tries a second tactic during Act 2 that makes it even worse and then they have to learn a lesson. And we aren't getting to the problem until a moment before the act ends. So you run into this with special episodes. It's like we got to get the message in here and everything else has to bend around it. But now we are firmly in a special world where Wesley, notorious non-fan of adults and authority, is shares a secret with yeah. as innocuous as it may be right now with this older man. And yeah. Perry continues to win Wesley over by making fat jokes Ugh. about his boss, classy move, pedophile. Yeah. And then Perry <laughs> tests the waters further by asking Wesley if he enjoys doing things because he knows he's not supposed to do them. Yeah, kind of creepy. And Wesley says, doesn't everyone? <laughs> yeah. Because he's a rebel rebel. What an absolute mad lad. The baddest boy on the planet. Wow. <laughs> but it is a creepy way to say like, hey, do you like doing things you know you're not supposed to do? Um, By the way, that sounds like the beginning of the worst uh, sex line commercial in the world. God. Hey, hey guys, do you like doing things you're not supposed to do? And Wes is like, yeah. And Perry's Doesn't like, everybody. great, you're not a little narc. So yeah, there's let's that. continue. Then Wesley says he what he wants to do is uh, go swimming. Yeah. So put on some goggles, they go swimming. We, we, uh, we cut back and he's done with swimming. And Perry was just watching him because Perry has not gone swimming. Yeah. So Perry was just watching this kid swim alone, which I mean, I guess you don't want the kid to drown, but the kid is supposed to be on a nature hike yeah. with everyone else. He faked a stomach ache and now they're having their own sort of side adventure yeah. where the kid is wearing just his little swimming trunks. Yeah. And then Counselor Perry says he'll help him towel off. And I wrote, dude moves fast. This is day two of camp. This is, yeah, this is... This is not moments after we're keeping our first secret. It's like, let's just make our move. So yeah, he he starts toweling Wesley off and then starts drying off his shoulders and then drops that towel and just starts rubbing Wesley's shoulders. Yeah. And it's creepy. It's so creepy. And Wesley, young as he is, knows that this is not normal yeah. for an adult stranger to caress the arms of a young boy. So he runs off. He's like, I'll get changed over here. Bye. Yeah. And no laugh track. Thank God. Yeah, absolutely. Thank goodness. Although, here's a weird inappropriate thing. That's not the end of the act there. You go back to Counselor Perry, who does a neat little kick. Kicks the towel up into his hands, and he's like, yep, I got it. It was not quite as egregious, but almost as egregious as that moment after in um, the Family Ties episode. Yeah. When Uncle Arthur full-on kisses Ma- Mallory, yeah. and then she's like horrified and runs off, and he just sits down, puts his head in his hand like, oh, boy, oh, I really blew it with that girl. Like, done it again, Uncle this Pedophile. Little, exactly. This was like, oh, man, I really liked that guy. Now he's going to go change over there. I guess I'll kick this uh, towel. It's like, no, no, it's no. It's just kind of a fran- fancy free moment that I don't, I don't appreciate. So here we are. Now we're in the special world. Now we have a problem. Act two, we come back to the living room and George is trying to sneak out of the house to play golf without Belvedere. Surprise! Belvedere uh, stops him at the door. He's yeah. dressed and ready to go. He says, I'm just putting these clubs away in my garage. I have a interview with a sportsman. And I got to go into work. And Belvedere is upset because he's been practicing his putting and chipping all morning. Yeah. That takes the air out of his sails. And so dad of the house goes off to work. And Wesley lies and comes downstairs and lies and says he can't go back to camp because he got poison ivy. And he's got some stuff on his arm. Yeah, Mr. Belvedere sees makeup or right something. through this. Yeah, Belvedere's like, you're faking. They have a real spy versus spy thing going on. <laughs> sure here. do. Um, and then Wesley drops an anvil on his head. Yeah. So Wesley has to go back to camp. So that's all, all the scene we get in the house and then we're back at camp. Oh, by the way, before they're like, why, why don't you want to go back to camp? 
and so in order to get out of this lie, he's like, oh, I did something horrible to somebody. Right. <laughs> and they're like, cool. We expected that, though. You still have to go to camp. That's our Wesley. But then they do say, well, we'll just call your counselor to find out what you did. And he says, no, don't call him. Yeah. But the, because they're so used to thinking their kid's a shithead, they don't find that suspicious. They just um, think the counselor's going to say he's a bad yeah. kid. Another reason not to raise your kid to be a shithead, I guess. Right. Do you hear that, my downstairs neighbors? <laughs> Do you hear that? <laughs> uh, so then we're back at day camp. Scavenger um, hunt time. Yep. And they're going to split up into two teams and Wesley volunteers to go with Miss Pritchard. And she says, what are you going to do to me? That's weird. And he's like, nothing. I just want to be on your team. And then there's more fat jokes. And I wrote, man, they do not miss any opportunity to make a joke at this woman's expense. It's just constant. And then that's like all her character is. She tries yeah. so hard and they just make fat jokes better. And then Counselor Perry says, Wesley, I wish you wanted to be on my team for the scavenger hunt. And, and Wesley says, maybe tomorrow. And Counselor Perry ruffles his hair hmm. which makes wesley recall recoil yeah. and run away um, uh well he's, he's like are you sure this isn't about that stuff we were doing yeah well he says let's just forget oh, says, you know i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of that stuff you were doing yeah perry says let's just forget yesterday ever happened it will be another one of our little secrets and then he says wesley you can keep the binoculars yeah. and just to create it's a little less creepy than that but it might as well be and wesley the money's on the dresser. Yeah, and Wesley, let me buy your silence with a pair of binoculars. And so Wesley is clearly uncomfortable, but has found a way to kind of neutralize this threat for himself, it seems. Like, without telling any adults, he's identified that this is a problem and he shouldn't be alone with Counselor Perry, right. and he's avoiding him. And so in another world, this would be the end of this. You know, he's a savvy enough kid when day camp's over, he'll never have to see Counselor Perry again, and he's handling it. And yeah. this is what he says later. He thought he could handle this this way without involving adults. The next thing we do is we go back to the house, and Belvedere catches George lying to him about golfing because the person that George said he was interviewing has been dead since the 50s. Well, well. Seems like George would know that as a sports reporter. Yeah, well, he was put on the spot. George says, it's not just, I don't want to play golf with you, Belvedere, not just because you're bad at golf, but because it's my guy time. Hmm. To which Belvedere points out, I'm a guy tension it got weird here for a second yeah he takes it personally and then fifi fuffnagel yeah. calls and says one of them kids is staring at me through some binoculars and belvedere thinks it's wesley because wesley's the devil got the binoculars yeah and the devil um <laughs> so he he calls him but it's actually kevin is being a pervert not wesley Kevin's so he's got time off work for perversion yeah no, you work a long day, you get to be a pervert. It also turns out that Wesley threw away the binoculars, and Belvedere says, why? And he says, uh, I'm just sick of camp, I don't want the binoculars anymore. So Belvedere knows something is wrong, but he doesn't know what. Yeah, Wesley, like, runs away. He's right. like, nothing's wrong, and runs away, which is always a sign maybe something's wrong. <laughs> maybe you should look into this further. Wait a second. Um, Belvedere's like, not my kid, just work here. I want to point this out because it just occurred to me. We're doing a lot of like, uh-oh, this counselor is the worst person in the world because he's being sexually inappropriate. And both the hero and another family member are, you know... Just peeping just toms. peeping toms on yeah. the lady. It's, it's like uh, when Uncle Jesse... Records yeah. a jingle about mm -hmm. fat shaming and then goes on to teach about a lesson about not bullying people for their appearance. It's weird. It's almost like these people have no self-awareness. I guess so. Let's go back to day camp where they're putting on a Greek fucking yes, play. Yes, this is the actually the funniest part of the episode it's to me. It's so out of left field. And it's, this is the approaching the, the inmost cave in terms mm. of the hero's journey. So they go back to camp and it's parents' day. It's the last day of camp. Parents are there. Belvedere's there. And the kids are performing their 
Cheerful Camp Skits, Nausea by Jean-Paul mm-hmm. Sartre, and Oedipus Rex in the original Greek, in masks. So weird. Some solid work. It's just a weird, like, okay. I think it's hilarious. It is hilarious, but it's just, it's really, we go back to camp and there's people with, like, you know, chorus masks on. Yep. And it's, and what are we, what are we even doing? That's Talks just about what Pritchard wants. Pritchard just so. wants them to be doing Oedipus Rex in the original Greek. Is the joke then that she's like, wow, she is more stuffy than a fun person and only a stuffy person. I think there's person. that, but I think it's also just like you expect them to be doing some weird skit mm. and they're doing these incredibly I guess so. highfalutin yeah. cultural pieces. I think it's pollutant. it's just a subversion of expectation. Yeah. It's supposed to be funny. I'm I actually a fan of Miss Pritchett here. Other than trying she's to get, a really good camp she, counselor. Look what she did. She taught kids Greek. She takes them on hikes. She make they make crafts. She's, she's doing. She's running a great camp. She's into she, it. She needs to do maybe a little bit of a better job with who she hires. Yeah, background checks, Miss Pritchett. Um, but other than that, she's a really good camp counselor, and they yeah. need to get off her jock because she's doing a great job. Yeah, how about it? Um, so now it's we're in the inmost cave. Parents are there. Belvedere is there. Counselor Perry comes over to Wesley and says how much he loved having Wesley around, and he hopes that Wesley will sign up again next year. Wesley is visibly uncomfortable, mm-hmm. so Wesley goes and says, I, "I'm going to go talk to my friend over there." Wesley goes over to Kyle and says, "Do you want to ride home with us?" Yeah, because Kyle's parents have not have not just have not, not shown, shown up. up. Whoops. We're not even talking about poor Kyle's home life, which seems. Hey, Kyle, rough. where are your parents? They could be bothered again. <laughs> So Kyle reveals that Counselor Perry is going to give him a ride in his convertible. Also, Counselor Perry has given Kyle a new slingshot. Yes. And so now in this very unhero's journey, journey, mm-hmm. Wesley has a chance to be a hero. Yes. Right. So in the traditional sense, he's not he's out of camp. Camp's over. He never has to see Counselor Perry again. He'll be fine. But he speaks up on behalf of this other kid right. and is thus a hero. In the traditional hero's journey structure, we've talked about this before, what makes a person a hero is not that they take risks or that they're very brave. They sacrifice themselves on behalf of the community. Yeah. They do something that makes the world better, that helps, that brings back an elixir or some knowledge that heals the community. So Wesley has knowledge here that he could keep to himself and it would be fine. But to save Small blonde Kyle. Small blonde Kyle. He does the heroic SBK. action of of yelling, There's a, don't go with him. Yeah. What Wesley says, is he's like, don't go with him. And they're like, why, Wesley? And he's like, because he might try to do something, put his hands on him or something. And they're like, why would you say that? And it's, he says, because that's what he did to me. And it's a very poignant moment. Yeah. And it's, the child acting here by Bryce Beckham is solid. It is solid. There's a big weird choice here where instead of freezing or anything, they keep going with the scene for a couple seconds. So the last line that Wesley says is what he did to me. Mm-hmm. So you say that and I'll pretend to be Counselor Perry. Okay. Because that's what he did to me. Psh. <laughs> he does like solid. What are you talking about, kid? Hey, this kid, right? What is that? He might as well. He might as well have like his monocle might as well have popped out. What? Illustration? Dare you, child? I am not a kid, Tasha. So the little that prince- was our <laughs> secret, young man. Oh, uh, tell them about the sodas now, why don't you? Zones, I am betrayed. <laughs> Heavens to Betsy. 
so the little friend Kyle is saved, and yeah. the police are called. Yeah, the police have been called. Uh, so they cut right away to later on, where yeah. they clearly all talked it out. Uh, he's with his mom and his dad, and then Mr. Belvedere comes up and he's like, "I just finished talking to the police." What? Why? <laughs> yeah. Why is the butler handling these <laughs> yes. affairs? Yeah, yeah. So he's there. He's there. Also, their lawyer, in addition yeah, to absolutely. being their cook and nanny. So quick, Stevenson, object for me. <laughs> now we're in Act Three: the return to the ordinary world, which we don't often get in a sitcom. Um, a, a real Act Three, a real moment after the climax where mm. we talk about, you know, what what's going to be different now. And so mom and dad and Wes are just drinking bug juice and giving police interviews, you know, camp stuff. And what actually happens is Belvedere says they want to talk to Wesley, which put just put a pin in that for a moment. Okay. The parents say, you have nothing to be sorry for. And he apologized. Wesley says, I'm sorry, I started a big mess. And they're mm. like, you have nothing to be sorry for. And he says, I thought I could handle this without anyone knowing. And they're like, no, you always need to tell us. You can tell us anything or whatever. And then they get up to leave two minutes after Mr. Belvedere said the police want to talk to Wesley. Yeah, well, this is a job for our butler. <laughs> they're like, hey, okay, let's all go. And I wrote, did anyone proofread this script? Because he... <laughs> literally five minutes ago said the police want to talk police to you. want to talk to you. And now they're like, let's go home. Let's leave. So now that's all wrapped up. We have to, we have to close out these B and C storylines. Let's no one, do it. No one cared about fire fashion back into the kitchen. Kevin isn't going to work because he's got food poisoning. Golf dad comes in. He invites <laughs> Belvedere to the club and Belvedere accepts and they make peace in the home in our lifetime. And then George says, it's such a throwaway. He's like, man, I was so concerned about this golfing bee story that I wasn't paying attention to my kid and he was almost molested. That's something I should think about, right? Mr. Belvedere's like, I don't know. He'll be fine. <laughs> like, there's a lot of like sort of shrugging like, man, that was a mistake, I guess. Also, the the thing with the golf was so mildly interesting. It doesn't take much to distract you, does it, George? You've got two weeks off. Imagine if you were being audited. This whole place would burn down oh, well, around then, you. You no, would never. Belvedere would be taking care of that. He's their accountant. <laughs> so then Wesley comes running in, chased by his sister, because apparently he put crazy glue in his sister's hot curlers, which is a solid prank. Sure. Um, quoth Belvedere, he'll be fine. Yeah, because you know what, Chelsea? If we've learned anything, I don't have any kids, but... There's one thing I know about parenting. Acting out is how children signal that nothing is wrong. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, I guess we never find out if the teenage sister passed her summer English class. Like, we're just not even going to touch on that burnt. at all. Why start it if it's not important enough to finish? Well, if she doesn't, then I'm sure that Mr. Belvedere can hack into the school system to change her <laughs> grades for them. Go black ops. Oh, Jesus. Um, so then we have a little PSA at the end. We do. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing, but they do this quite often where it's mm -hmm. like, here's the end of the show. We're going to talk straight to you. Yeah. The actors come out and address us using their Christian names, not their character <laughs> names. Yes, indeed. Christopher Hewitt and Bryce Beckham. And they say, hey, kids, no one has a right to touch you in a way that makes you feel bad. And if they do, you should tell someone you trust. And if someone tells you to keep a secret that makes you feel bad, the secret is not worth keeping. Yeah. I think they do this because... They don't necessarily get to the steps in the in the episode. Yeah, and also it's a nice way to wrap it up and be like, in case there's any ambiguity here, yeah. in case you didn't get the lesson because you're too young or you made yourself a sandwich in the middle or something, <laughs> here's what we were trying to do. Or you're just too involved in the Mr. Belvedere world. <laughs> right, and you were like, I just need to know she passed this her is, class. Ugh, this is going to dramatically affect my Be Mr. Belvedere fan fiction. <laughs> this Wesley, is not this canon. is something that will have to haunt Wesley. Not canon. I see Mr. Belvedere go back in time to fight the Nazis. <laughs> 
As I mentioned, I did do a little bit of research about camp counselors who abuse kids. Great. Let's That's an, a very depressing thing to I'm, Google. I'm sure it is. Let's do that. And then I have uh, a bit of research uh, that I think is very important as well. Okay, great. And I think that will pull us out of our downward spiral great. of talking about counselor molestations. Well, it's a downward spiral, but it's also... Uh, this is going to be a bit of a pat on the back for this episode, which, while ridiculous, the BNC storylines especially, mm. did handle handle the subject matter pretty well. So, 2011 article written by Dr. Jackie Humans. I will put the link to it. It's called Preventing Sexual Abuse at Summer Camp, Five Tips for Parents. It notes that the Center for Disease Control Prevention reports that one in six boys and one in four girls are sexually assaulted before the age of 18. And 71% of the time, the abuser knows the victim. This is a thing we've talked about before, about grooming, about family, friends. This is a bit of a different situation because this person didn't know Wesley before camp, but also was in a position of authority. This should have been a person Wesley could trust, etc. Unfortunately, summer camp is an ideal place for abusers. Abusers do tend to seek out employment opportunities like being a coach, like being a teacher, like being a camp counselor where they'll have access to kids. While no camp is immune from the possibility of sexual abuse, this uh, Dr. Jackie Human says there are five important steps parents can take to prevent their child from becoming a victim. The first is to educate your kid about the correct names for body parts Mm -hmm. because euphemisms can damage a child's credibility in later reporting, which is kind of an interesting, I had never thought about that thing, Mm -hmm. but apparently you need to kind of teach your child like here are the parts of your body here are the what are they are called and here are the parts that people are not allowed to touch if you don't like them it's interesting this comes up now i I recently met uh somebody who does pro bono lawyer work for uh child custody cases Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing and that's always a tough thing she mentioned that it's like you're trying to get kids to explain if they're being harmed and they don't have the words for it and it's like did you know? Did that hurt you? And they don't quite understand how to do it. Right. So, honestly, like genuine parenting would be a good idea for like you know how right. to express yourself. The, yeah, um, the first, like that. you said, the first tool is to give them the language. Yeah, absolutely. To, to, to report, you know. Yeah. So you you teach a child correct names and then tell them that it's never okay to keep a secret with an adult unless it has an expiration date, and tell them they will never get into trouble for telling if someone hurts them and to keep telling until they get help. So all that is about education Mm -hmm. of your child. The second step is screening the camp. Make sure they do criminal background checks. Make sure that there are at least two adult counselors assigned to sleep in each bunk. Ask under what circumstances counselors are allowed to be alone with children. And the answer should be none, she says. And recognize potential abusers if someone takes an Unusual interest in your child, ask questions. Yeah. Know the warning signs of sexual abuse. She lists a bunch of them, and Wesley did exhibit some in this episode. Reluctance to go back to camp, secretiveness, and avoiding a specific individual for no apparent reason. Yeah. Good job to the episode for including those symptoms of sexual abuse. And then the last step is support your child. And the family did all of these things in this episode. Say you believe them. Say it's not their fault, not even a little bit. Praise them for sharing and report to the authorities. So yeah. the the family supported Wesley when he did come forward, thankfully, because we don't 
even know if Kyle has parents. So I, I imagine Kyle's facing the police all on his own over there. <laughs> he sure there, is. He doesn't, talking about I mean, a slingshot. He, parents, he certainly doesn't have a butler doesn't who can have help a him out with legal situations. So get Kyle some parents is the next step. Yeah. But then like, good job, Wesley, and good job, family, and good job, writers, and the way that they handled this. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a, the dialogue is dumb and these characters are nothing, but the way that they handled this particular plot line was pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's talk about Christopher Hewitt's testicles. Yes, yes, yes. I almost <laughs> I almost wrote this and I was like, this feels like more of an Andy thing. Yeah, it certainly was, because guess what Andy did? He looked into it. So there has long been an urban legend uh, surrounding the show Mr. Belvedere. And the story goes like this. It, apparently, the story was told by Adam Sandler and recounted numerous times. Adam Sandler, who was on an episode. He was on an episode, uh, recounted by Jay Moore, and has just <clears throat> entered this urban legend that uh, during a table reading one day, Mr. Belvedere, uh, the whole cast was there. Christopher Hewitt was running late. He comes in and says, good morning, and then sits down and screams Mm -hmm. Uh, And reports are that he screams so loud, the lights above the table shook, uh, as Christopher Hewitt is reported to have sat on his own testicles. And this is not the first time that he sat on his own testicles. Well, the the urban legend goes, he's done this three times. The, the, The table read story is that then he had to be carried out on a stretcher. They say, as part of that story, that he... Miles is loving this, by the way, if you're at all Also, curious. Mr. Belvedere, if you haven't seen, he is six foot three, two 280 pounds. He is. he is. an imposing figure. He's a giant man. Yes? I don't... I just don't, I'm trying to imagine... Like, I don't care what your... How big you are, or yeah. what your... I just don't... How does one do this? I'm, the way that they describe it, and thanks, Miles, for, for getting us deeper into this... <laughs> The way they describe it is uh, he had a pendulous uh, scrotum, and when he sat down, it got underneath his leg, uh-huh. and so he sat on a hard metal chair and squished the testicles in a way that, that caused them damage. Caused them yes. damage and also, uh, according to the legend, shut down taping for a week. So this was the urban legend for a long time. Three times this happened at a table read, and it is not true. Well, this... Because it did happen once. In the Hollywood Christmas Parade. In the Hollywood Christmas Parade, <laughs> Mr. Belvedere was in a convertible, and he sat down, and he hurt his testicles so badly that they had to shut down production for two weeks. This is all uh, part of an article I found called 11 Dignified Facts, <laughs> 11 Dignified Facts About Mr. Belvedere, <laughs> which is also where I found out that he was in the RAF and performed during the Blitz. Dignified Facts. <laughs> was, was, is it 12 facts then? <laughs> Undignified and one sort of uh, titillating fact. And one he begged us not to talk about. Uh, yeah. Definitely putting the link to this for you guys in the episode notes and on for the sure. website. Also, please know that there is an Urban Dictionary defines the term Belvedere. I'd also like to just apologize to all of our listeners for burying this story so deep in this episode. Yeah, I really eat. should have led with this. You gotta end on a high note, am I right? I... Uh, so belvedering yourself is when you <laughs> sit on your own testicles. The uh, the the sentence given for an example is "Arg, I just belvedered myself." <laughs> that doesn't actually help any with any context clues if you don't know what it yeah, is. You don't want to hear these hashtags then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really don't. I really don't. It's one of those things that sounds like a thing that should not be true. Like you know, Sylvester Stallone and. 
a glass coffee table, which I realize I could have picked so many better <laughs> examples than that. Richard Gere and the stuff. Yeah. Elton John and other stuff. Um, but this one's 100% true in a Christmas parade. So as we get closer to Christmas, might I... You know what? What I'm going to do this year is take a couple of the uh, ornaments off my tree. <laughs> and sit and on? Just, yeah, just smash them with a hammer and be like, this one's for you, Belvedere. I feel like that's a festive uh, holiday tradition we can all get into. It might as well be a festivist tradition, to be honest with you. <laughs> and now the ceremonial smashing of the Belvedere balls. Oh, my God. Who did you want to hug? <laughs> I forgot that we were on a show right now. <laughs> Who do I want to hug? I guess I want to... Uh, I, I don't want to hug anybody. I don't... Fifi... <laughs> Fifi, wanna... you know what? Fifi Fuffnagel. I want to hug Fifi Fuffnagel because she's been a real good sport for putting up with... <laughs> Gotta live next to some terrible atrocities young boy perverts yeah i mean i kind of i guess i want no you know i want to hug fucking counselor pritchard, counselor pritchard because she's right. running an excellent day camp yeah and they're doing nothing but shitting all over and her. there's like 40 kids and two counselors as far as i can tell and she is taking like the yeah, lion's share nothing's on fire and guess what she's got more of the duty because the other counselor's time is split between counseling and molestation and with this with also making fun of his boss's appearance thrown in yeah, there in is. his free time so what did we learn so I got to learn that, you know, obviously I didn't learn anything new about not keeping secrets and telling an adult when things get hectic. I still, when anything happens to me, I go tell an adult right away. But in the, the grand scheme of things, as far as this podcast is concerned, uh, you know, sometimes you can bend the format of an episode, the format of storytelling uh, in order to service the message and it doesn't come off as inappropriate or cloying. Yeah, I guess what I learned from this episode is that sometimes the protagonist can figure out how to handle the problem for themselves, but then speak speaks up on behalf of someone else. So a lot of times yeah. these very special episodes, the person who's involved is directly in danger, and then it, when they get help, it's help for themselves. But in this case, it was like a very special episode where Wesley was the hero because he got help for someone else. And so that was kind of a cool twist in the format. Folks, we made it Yay. to the end of a very special, very special episode. This is one of the classic ones that's on every top ten list, by the yes, way. Yes, and apparently Mr. Belvedere was uh, kind of known for its very special episodes. Sure. We're getting into the era. In 88, we're like, wait, we can just do this all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. Ratings grab. Hey, Chelsea, what are we watching? Next time, we're going to watch one of my very favorite shows from growing up, The Torkelsons. We are going to be watching season one, episode 14, The Ice Princess, which you can catch on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, all them Torkelson episodes are on YouTube, uh, yeah. and I'd never seen this show before, so... Get ready. Tune in next time... Buckle up. ...to find out why I call this Tennessee Williams Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for dropping by, folks. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bring snacks. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!